Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Let's bless the Lord together right now. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you turn and look at someone this morning and tell them, I'm happy. <clears throat> now, let me tell you what that looked like from up here. We're going to work on our, we're going to work on our morning skills. Amen. I'm happy. Man, why are you happy? I'm happy because I'm saved. I'm happy because I woke up this morning. I'm happy because I serve a good God. I'm happy because I serve a real God. I don't serve a God that's a statue in a corner somewhere. I serve a God that I can feel, I can worship, I can talk to. Amen. When I talk to him, he talks back. Amen. I have, I have a God that I can have a relationship with. That's why I'm happy today. Amen. The book of Genesis chapter 2, while you're turning there this morning, I want to give honor to our bishop and our pastor today. Love and appreciate them so very much. And uh, I wanted so bad to, to continue on from, from last week. Uh, I've been planning all week on doing so until, oh, sometime yesterday morning when I woke up. I just uh, felt like the Lord would redirect us to a different attention today. <clears throat> so the book of Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 19, the Bible reads, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Turning now to Genesis chapter 7 and verse 14, <clears throat> it reads this way. They and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. Finally, now one more verse of scripture quickly in verse in first Samuel chapter thirty, in verse number four. <clears throat> says then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. I want to I talk to you for a little while this morning on this subject. A lion, a terrorist, and a warrior. A lion, a terrorist, and a... Warrior, shake somebody's hand next to you this morning, and you can be seated. Thank you for standing. <clears throat> 
sounds a little bit like the tagline of a bad joke. A lion, a terrorist, and a warrior. But it's not. We begin by looking back to where it all started. In the garden with the first man, Adam. The Bible's declaration is this, that Adam gave the name to all of the animals and whatever he called them, that instantly and permanently became their name. This included, but was not limited to this morning, the lion. Out of all of God's creation in the animal kingdom, I chose the lion this morning because it is referred to even still today as the king of the jungle. It's referred to as the king of the beasts because of its ability to bring down animals that are much larger than it. So I've chosen it to represent the animals of the animal kingdom in this setting, beginning with Adam proclaiming his name. There are other animals that could be chosen, but few carry such an awe-inspiring fear and respect. I guarantee you this morning that, uh, and, and some, of you, some of you men in here, maybe some of you women, I don't know, but some of you men in here might be macho enough that you would want to stare, a face, uh, the, stare down the face of a lion. I'm not. I like to see him. I'm not a cat person, but I respect lions because they require it. I, I respect the lion because he invokes fear to me. I look at him and I, I ponder and I wonder what would happen if we were shaking hands or staring each other down. I think I know what would happen. I would, first of all, start. I know I can't outrun him, but Brother Mike Trout, I'd try. And while I'm running, I'm, I'm just guessing this morning that I would probably be screaming like the loudest girl you've ever heard. It would be a high-pitched scream. There wouldn't be anything macho about it. You can forget pride, you can forget muscles, you can forget ability, you can forget all of those types of things because I would be simply trying to save my life. Yes. Because there's something about the lion that invokes an image of fear. When I think of seeing a lion, I think that I worry about can he see me or can he smell me. If, he's, if I go to the zoo and I see the lion, I don't care that he's 75 feet away. I don't care that there's an iron fence between me and him. I don't care that there's a ditch between his, his little pad and the fence. If he's licking his lips, I worry. Because I'm thinking, is he hungry? I don't want to be the next meal. I worry, is there enough distance between me and him. I like to see him at the zoo only because there's enough distance between me and him, supposedly, that he cannot get to me. I cannot imagine being in the position of the first man and having the beasts of the field come to me by the command of God 
so that I could give them their name. But the Bible tells us that that is exactly what happened. And if we believe the Bible in other stories and instances to be true, then we must also read the literal Word of God in Genesis 2 and understand that this is exactly what happened. God commanded the animals to come to Adam. Adam, I, I get a picture in my mind that he's not naming them from a distance. I get a picture in my mind, Bishop, that he is naming them almost as if there is a procession of animals that's coming by. And Adam, all he has to do is stand there. And as they proceed by, he looks at them. Maybe he does it like they do in, in England with the knighthood. Maybe he, he's tapping one ear on each side of his head. I don't know. But he is giving him a name as he walks by. Now, I even think about myself doing that. I start to shake in my shoes because I know I don't have the ability to do it. What separates me from Adam? There's one thing that separates me from Adam. There's one thing that separates you from this opportunity that Adam did in, in, in the earlier verses of our Bible, and that is simply one word, and it is dominion. Adam had dominion over the beasts of the field. Adam was able to have power and strength over him. Now, I want to I stop here and just explain a few things about the word dominion. There are several words in the Bible that in the original Hebrew that can be used to use to indicate the word dominion. The one that is at use here in Genesis is called radah. And it means to oppress or to exercise absolute power. There are other instances of the word dominion that when translated, they simply mean control or command or to lord over or something that, that, that still demonstrates a type of power, but it lacks the, the oomph that Radah has because it simply means to exercise absolute power. In other words, if we could translate it into 2017 language, it's to show them who's boss. So that is the type of dominion that Adam had over the animals. By God's design, mankind is a superior creation. And all of the creatures, including the lion, are considered to be inferior to man. We see a similar circumstance and happening in Genesis chapter 7, where a representation of every animal kind entered the ark, and yet Noah and his family were unharmed. You have to stop and you have to soak that in a little bit. We, we, we glaze over quickly the fact that, oh, well, two of every kind went onto the ark and the, the ark, the door was closed and there was water and there was flood and the boat floated and Noah and his family were saved. Yes, they were, but just imagine sharing your bedroom with a lion. Pat, I'd be afraid to sleep. And I'd sure want to make sure he was full. Wouldn't like it. But God gave them dominion over an inferior creation. Moving along quickly now from the lion to the terrorist, we read the story that unfolds in 1 Samuel chapter 30, the life and times of David. 
I hope by the help of God to be able to tie this together by the time we're done. You probably think I'm crazy already and that's fine. But David and his band of ruffians were expert marksmen with the bow and the arrow. They were warriors who knew how to go to battle. They knew what to do and when the command of God was given for them to do it, they did it. There was no halfway job with David. David and his band of warriors were rough and they were tough. They were the macho men of the macho. They knew how to defeat their enemy. And as David and his men had been out, and they've been out for some time now, and they come back, they begin their journey back to their dwelling place in Ziklag. They began to see smoke billowing up over the air as they got closer and closer to home. And as they approached home, they could clearly see that all of Ziklag had been burned. And not a person was in sight. They didn't know what had happened. Their fam- they didn't even know if their families were dead. All they knew is that their city, their homes, everything that they remembered being there when they left had been terrorized. Everything had changed. Nothing was the same. Now they don't know where their wives are. They don't know where their children are. They don't know where their family members are. All they know is what used to stand as a home or a tent or a dwelling place is now a trash heap of smoke. The Bible lets us know part of the story that they didn't know at that time. And that is that the Amalekites had come along and destroyed Ziklag, taking their women and their children captive. They didn't kill anyone, but David and his men did not know that at the time. All they knew is that they were, not gone. they were not there. One problem is that David and his men, David not only lost his family, his men lost their families. And because of that, the Bible tells us that David's men turned on him and they began to now make accusations against David to declare unto him that it was his fault that their families were gone because he is the one that had commanded that they go out into battle. So now here David is following the word and the command of God. He's gone out to battle. He's done everything he's supposed to do in leading his men and he comes back and everything's gone wrong. Let me just give you a little commercial break here this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Just because you're obeying God doesn't mean life is going to be great. There are still going to be issues. And we have to learn how to handle the issues of life in spite of the fact that we feel like we're being obedient to God. Being obedient to God is not a formula for ultimate success. It is the recipe to get from here to heaven. Amen. 1 Samuel 30 and 6 says, And David was greatly distressed. This is because they are turning on him. The Bible says, For the people spake of stoning him. This is the same men he's just returned from battle with. This is the same men that he has fought shoulder to shoulder with in battle. But now, because things are not right, they're blaming David, and they spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. And every man for his sons and for his daughters. But the Bible says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. The phrase, encourage himself, when it's translated, comes to a word that simply means strength. And from that we can get this morning that David found strength in God. 
It wasn't all together that David sat there and he pat himself on the back and said, Oh, David, it's going to be all right. That's the image we get whenever we say he encouraged himself. Because what do you do when you encourage someone else? You pat them on the back, you tell them, hey, it's good. you can do it. You, you can do it. You, 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 you try to play the role of the positive encourager. You can do it. Everything's going to be all right. I've got faith in you. So we, we conjure up these, these images in our mind that if David's encouraging himself, he must be looking in the mirror saying, it's all right, David. You can do it. But it wasn't a positive speech class. That's not what it was. David found strength. In the Lord his God. And David was not only a man of war, but David was a worshiper. And the very reason David was able to find strength in his God was because David knew how to worship his God. David had a heart for praise. David had a mind of worship. And the very reason why David sustained his life is because he devoted it to the Lord. David's heart for God gave him strength when he needed it most. David's past, listen to me, David's past worship experiences gave him strength. Let me tell you what I take from that this morning. Your worship today is not only helping you in the here and now, but your worship today is helping you for tomorrow. Let me tell you something. If you wait till you're in a problem to worship, you've done waited too long. If you wait till you're in a tribulation to start recognizing I need to get to church and worship, you've done waited too long. I'm coming to him faithfully today because I don't know what tomorrow might be and I'm going to worship him today because I might not be able to walk tomorrow, but today I will give him my praise. Somebody shout hallelujah. So David, whoo, it's feeling good in this house this morning. David encouraged himself. If you're here this morning and you are depressed, if you're here this morning and you are emotionally weak, if you're here this morning and you're physically weak, if you're here today and life before you walked through those double doors was nothing but drama personified, it makes no difference today. If you can get into the presence of God and lift your hands in a worship posture and say, God, I'm going to draw strength from your presence. God, I'm going to draw strength from the waters of the well of salvation. Then I know my situation will be all right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All the chips were down. At the very moment that David needed his men the most. At the very moment David didn't think things could get any worse. He said, God, I find in you my strength. And after he encouraged himself in the Lord, the Bible says that he requested the priest bring him a garment. 
He needed a garment because again, David was not only a warrior, but David was also a worshiper. And David requested the ephod because David was accustomed to the ephod. David was not foreign to the ephod. David knew that the garment of worship and the garment of praise could do more for him than just a 30-minute session of self-pity. David knew that with an ephod in his hands, David knew that with an ephod dropped over his shoulders and with him entering into a time of worship, that that would give him all the strength that he needed. David knew that that would give him the healing that he needed. David knew that would give him the direction that he needed this morning. David knew that if I'm going to get anything in my life after today, today is the worst day of my life. And if I'm going to change my circumstance, I've got to put on an ephod of praise. And I've got to get into a session with God and begin to give him praise and give him glory and give him honor because nothing can change my life but worshiping God. Hallelujah. So David, David is distressed. Just imagine. This hit me in my notes, but let me slow down here and illustrate for just a moment. Just imagine you come home from work. Where is it? Wherever it is your, your job's at. You drive home from work, and in your driving, you look up, and all you see is smoke. If you've lost a house this morning, you, you know what that feels like. I haven't. I have friends who have. And I can't imagine the horror that they would feel, especially if it's one family member by themselves, and now they're worried, is my family inside? We've got firemen here this morning that have probably been associated with people and victims that have felt that way. But just imagine, you get there. Family's not there. The children's not there. You don't know where they're at. There's no evidence that they were burned in the fire. So they're not home. But the house is gone. The cars are gone. The, 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 the white picket fence burned to the ground. Everything is gone. Now, I would challenge you this morning that, that the first thing that most of us would do is weep. And I'm not declaring that there's anything wrong with that this morning. We all have emotions, and that's a tragedy. And we all deal with tragedies differently. But there is something that happened in David's life. Because David didn't wait till he saw the smoke in Ziklag to worship. David's situation when he saw the city burned was not the first time he had ever seen an ephod. David's situation now is he's drawing now back to what have I done in the past that comforted me. I know some of you this morning when you were in the world, I know what you found comfort in. I've heard you talk about it. But it was a comfort that was short-lived. It was a comfort the following morning was found with a headache. 
and, and maybe, maybe more symptoms that, 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 that caused you to draw nigh to the porcelain. It was a comfort that didn't bring you comfort. All it gave you was a temporary opportunity to forget. But David is realizing in his circumstance, everything's lost. Nothing's right. Everybody wants to kill me. I need to go back to what's worked before. I want to declare to this church this morning that what David went back to was something that he was not foreign to. And that was praise. And in doing so, he puts on the garment from the priest and he begins to talk to the Lord and worship him. What I'm saying this morning is, and again, I, I may be repeating myself, but it's necessary that you cannot afford to wait until you're walking through your valley to begin acknowledging God in your life. Too many times we want to wait till things are bad before we start saying, hello, God. And what he's asking for from us is that when things are good and you're standing on top of a mountain, that you can still say, hello, God. And when things are bad, you remember how good it felt when you was on top of the mountain. And you recognize if he was God then, he'll be God now. And then we go back to a praise garment and say, I'm not foreign to this. I've worshipped every Sunday. I've worshipped every Wednesday. I've worshipped in revival services. I've worshipped when I had opportunity. You may worship at home. You may worship in the car. I see some people throwing it down in the car when they're driving. It don't matter where you're worshipping, but don't be a foreigner to the worship atmosphere of God because it is a praise in your heart heart that will lift you up on the day that you need it most. David's been terrorized. But it's not stopping his worship. David's life's been wrecked. But it's not stopping his worship. What happens in 2017 is when we go through an issue, what happens to a lot of people? And I'm not trying to be derogatory this morning, but what happens all too many times is, well, Bishop, I'm going through a bad time, so I'm just not coming to church right now. Uh, forgive me this morning, but I just don't understand that. Every, to date, in my life, when I have gone through life-altering circumstances, things that would, as we put it, rock my world, things that shake me to my core, whether it be a doctor's report or a job situation or a family situation, it doesn't matter, it makes any difference. I can't wait to get to church. Because I know what praise did for me the last time. Those of you that's been here any, any extended length of time know that in the last 10 years, there's been two occasions where I have found myself 
wrongfully unemployed. I wasn't about to stay home. Brother Fred, I wasn't about to stop praising. I wasn't about to stop giving my tithes. What'd you give it on? I gave it on everything I earned. Because in the truest sense of the term, God was my supplier. And I owed him some thank you. I owed him some acknowledgement that this $20 that came back in, I owe you $2 of gratitude and worship. Now, that little 30-second commercial break was my blessing. It's a blessing to have a church to go to message that I wanted to do. All right, so you just got a taste of it, all right? It makes me feel better. But 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse number 8, something begins to change. It says, And David inquired at the Lord, Say, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? I want to, I want to stop right there. Before we go any further, because this is, a, this is a victory verse. This is an amazing verse that is a testament to what God is able to do. But I, I, again, I, I want to drive this point home, and I apologize for being redundant, but repetition is the mother of all mastery, so here we go. Before David asked God a question, he gave God a praise. I, I'm, I'm trying to help somebody this morning. Because if you're going through something in life, before you start asking God why, why don't you give him a what? I'm going to praise you. Before we start asking God to do something for us, why don't we do something for Him? Because David's demonstrating for us what, he's, what works. He has praised. He's got a praise garment on. And now he's asking the Lord, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? He's asking God, can I go get back what has been stolen from me? Look at your neighbor this morning and go, whoo! All you macho guys go, whoa. Some of you were scared to do it. Sounds like a women's conference. Come on, look at, look at somebody else this morning and go, whoo! David is asking God for permission. Can I do it, God? Because you've got to understand something. David is an expert marksman. All David needs is his quiver and his bow, and he's going to... For you younger generation, David could give the green arrow a lesson or two. David knew how to do it. But what praise has taught David is that just because he knew how didn't mean he needed to. 
Praise has tempered David to wait on the timing of God. So now he's praised. Now he's praying. And he's asking God, can I do it? Shall I do it? Will, can I overtake them? He's asking God for a money back guarantee. Because if God says, he's saying, shall I? Shall being an ancient word replaced in the English language today by will. Will I overtake them? That's an assurance. Now how many of you, we have any war veterans here this morning? Any? None? Wow. That's unusual. All right, so we gotta, we got to put our imagination caps on this morning. And we've got to pretend, let's go to kindergarten class for a few seconds. Imagine you are on the front line of battle. And your commander is telling you, we're about to charge. And you want to take an opportunity first to say, hey chief, are we going to win? Hallelujah. Imagine the confidence you would have. If you were able to look at your sergeant and say, Hey, Sarge, we're about to do it. What's it going to turn out like? And if he was able with confidence to say, We're going to win. We're going to take everything. Nothing's going to be lost. No one's going to lose their life. Everything's going to be all right. You just do your job. Well, lock and load. Let's go. Everybody would be ready to charge. Everybody would be ready to go into battle because I've got nothing to lose. So David now is asking God, shall I? Will I? And the Bible says that God answered him after he's praised, after he's prayed. And God says, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Now, I'm emotionally on the edge of my seat this morning because the drama is unfolding right in front of us. And now David has 100% confidence. David's got a guarantee. You go after what's been stolen. You go after what's been taken from you. I'm going to be with you. And I'm telling you, you will pursue. And I'm telling you, you will overtake them. And I'm telling you, you're going to not just overtake them. But without fail, you will recover everything you have lost. Ladies and gentlemen in this house today, I want to tell somebody, when we begin to praise him, and when we put an ephod of praise on in our services, God's telling us, go ahead and pursue. Go ahead and overtake the enemy. Because everything that you've lost can be brought back, but it must be done through the avenue of praise. Oh, somebody lift your hands and worship him this morning. got a right today to take back everything the enemy stole from me. If you've lost your health today, just lift your hands and say, God, I thank you for restoration. Woo! Hallelujah! If you're weak in your mind this morning, say, God, I thank you for restoring mental health. 
If you're weak in your body today, God, I thank you for strength. Oh, we need to, we need to worship him for a moment right here. Hallelujah. I praise you, Jesus. I worship you. He's not a God of partial recovery. I have come to this time and place today to remind us that it's time we take dominion over the things that we have lost in our lives. That it's time we move past mediocrity and the motion of going to church and we come to church to start having church. It's time we operate in apostolic authority today because God is not a weak God. We don't praise a weak God. We, we don't praise a statue in the corner somewhere that has no power. We praise the one this morning that has all power in heaven and in earth. And he is able to do exceeding and abundantly above that which we can ask or think. All we've got to do today is praise him and overtake the enemy. It's time we raise our praise to a new level this morning. And take back those lost things with dominion and authority. Things that have been stolen from us. Maybe you're here today and, and, and something has happened to, to your worship life. You know, you, you can be seated. I'm going to land the plane here in just a few minutes. We're starting to descend. You know, worshiping God is almost like a, have a, is, is, it's like a muscle. If you, Brother, Brother Zach could, could help us understand this this morning, but if you exercise and you skip a few weeks and you go back to it, you're going to know it. Because the muscles that did have strength have lost something. Singing's the same way. I went from, I think it was January to late April, and only sang, I can remember it probably twice. And when I, when I, I finally got Bishop to, back to the point where that I, I felt like I could, it was a struggle. It took, it took a good couple of weeks to get to the point that every morning when I woke up after singing the night before, that I actually had a voice. Because I had to rebuild the muscle. If you, if you stop worshiping just because something has happened, let me tell you the danger of this. Because it, it is a, a threat of the enemy. If you stop worshiping, what happens is when you come back to church, worship feels foreign to you. And, 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 and you've lost your, 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 they call it muscle memory. You've lost that memory to be able to exercise that which you know. So I'm trying to give us a jolt this morning for those of you that, that may, may have been a while since you've really praised God because it, it, it takes some exercise. 
And I'm not talking physically, but spiritually. Uh, well, it does take some physical movement, but it, it takes getting past a, a barrier in your mind that, well, I, I don't really need to do this. I don't, I don't really need. There's not really anything that this is going to help me with. Let me tell you something. It's going to help you with everything. And how you worship God may be different than the person sitting next to you. But it is the key to our victory. 1 Samuel 30 and verse number 16 says, And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even until the evening of the next day. That's a lot of smiting. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David, look at what the Bible says. And David recovered I, I, I read this I read this in the Hebrew text this morning because I wanted to verify that the, the, the wording and translation was the same. And the word that's used for all is the exact same representation of that little word right there too. All. In, in, in the Hebrew, that word also means whole. It means all, whole, or every. That kind of covers all the angles. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was, look at it now, nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered David recovered all. In February 1980, U.S. Olympic hockey team slipped its foot into a glass slipper and walked away with a gold medal at Lake Placid, New York. Everyone was shocked through the world by the upsetting, powerful Soviet team So much so that when they grabbed the championship from Finland, the crowd chanted, USA, USA. Before the team's victory over the Soviet Union team, the coach of the U.S. hockey team told his players, he says, you are born to be a player. You are meant to be here at this time. This is your moment. I feel a little bit like that this morning. We need to come into the presence of God and we need to recognize that this is our moment. I'm coming to a close this morning. I want you to stand with me if you would. This is our moment. This is your moment to have 
obtain and hold victory. You may never face a lion. I hope you don't. If you do, you know what to do. Run. You may never face a terrorist. And I hope you don't. In today's society, there are no guarantees. That's more likely than facing a lion. even in Mount Carmel. But while you may not face a lion and you may not face a terrorist, you can be a warrior. And we don't fight this fight with bloodshed. We fight this fight with praise. We fight this fight with worship. We're, we're celebrating our country's independence in two days. And we're, we're going to be setting off fireworks and parades and, and just uh, eating all kinds of ice cream and junk food and all kinds of things we probably shouldn't do, but we're going to do it because we're Americans and that's what you do on a holiday. All in the name of freedom. So I want to close with asking you a question this morning. I'm going to ask Bishop to come and pray over us today. What do we do in his house to celebrate and thank him for our spiritual freedom? Because as the old song says, I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. Hallelujah. So I've got something to praise him for. Would you lift your hands and begin to magnify him this morning as Bishop comes to pray today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.